Okay. So the last time I was here, we were kind of all getting involved in that scripture and kind of talking about there is hope. Healing oppressed people everywhere. There is hope. And so I have hope today. I hope you have hope today. Right? You can't lose your hope because something happens. This is a part of life. You know, it's, it's, it's not the end. It's only for her. It's only the end of the beginning because eternity is so much longer than time. This is just the end of the beginning. She walks into, has walked into a whole new realm of existence with God that it's, it's phenomenal. I, I, I know we'll all get to be there someday and we'll all get to enjoy that wonderful time. I don't know about you. I'm ready. I'm in no great hurry, but I am ready, you know. So, all right, to kind of just look backwards a little bit and then go forward. Uh, we're talking about there is hope. And it's, my scripture was in Luke chapter 4. And I'm going to read through it. And then Mark chapter 5. And we will get into this for a while here. And then we'll have a great meal and fellowship and have fun. And go face the giants this week. Right? Amen. Amen. I said Luke chapter 4. No, you haven't to do this, ball. Yes. Luke chapter 4, verse 14. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. And Jesus returned. He came back under the anointing. He came back full of power. He came back in his element. He returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And there went out, when that anointing was buzzing on him, there went out a fame amongst the people that he's here, he's doing good, and the crowds are thronging. You know, people love an anointing and would come to an anointing throughout the region and he taught in their synagogues being glorified of all and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and as his custom was he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read and there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah and when he had opened the book he found a place where it was written the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Would not be, be, be expected. He came back in the Spirit and he opened the book on the place where it says, and the Spirit of the Lord was upon me. And so he's confirming his anointing. Because he had anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, and we talk about this the last time, won't dwell into it this much. Uh, he had sent me to heal the brokenhearted, so poor, brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives. Hey, are you seeing Jesus' ministry here? I, I, I am writing, I had to write the eulogy for, for, for my mom. And I, 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 as I wrote it out and sent it for them to take a look, they sent it back because they, they couldn't understand what I was saying. And they changed all my writing. I said, that's not what I'm saying. And I had to change it and send it back again. I said, I want you to say it the way I say it. And they didn't get it, so I had to explain it. See, because what the Lord was saying to me, there's so many people who are hung up on what would Jesus do? As opposed to what Jesus did. You know, we, we, we get these cliches and we latch on to them and, and it sounds good. And, you know, stop telling me about what Jesus, what would Jesus do? Just do what he did. You know? And so I was talking about my mom and I was telling him she, she demonstrated her faith and her mission and her ministry in what Jesus did while others were just, what would Jesus do in this situation? She just did what he did. Yes. He said, these works you shall do and greater works than these shall you do so i know it sounds nice and fancy and what would jesus do and you make a nice band and all that you know just do what jesus did yeah. 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 just do what jesus did just live 
you know. And so as I wrote that and I wrote, I said, and she preached the gospel to everybody. And sometimes she actually used words. And they sent it back and said, that don't make sense. You have to correct that. And they put in there, she used her own words. <laughs> That's not what I said. You got to get the deeper meaning of what I'm telling you. She preached the gospel with her life. And yes. sometimes she used words. Yes. This life needs to preach. Amen. You follow what I'm saying? Yes. So finally they said, oh, well, write it over again and send it back. I said, if you ain't get it, I write it back. That's yeah. it. <laughs> preach this gospel. And if necessary, use words. Amen. You got to live this life. This is the Bible that people will see. This is the Bible that most people will see. Yes. You are who they're going to read. They're going to read you. Okay? So, so, so let them read you. And from time to time you may have to use words. But don't depend on your words. Let your life speak a whole lot louder than your words ever would. So not what would Jesus do. What Jesus did. You do it. Live it. And live that legacy. And leave that legacy behind you. And so we see, preach the gospel to the poor, heal the brokenhearted, preach deliverance to the captives, the recovering of sight to the blind, and to set them that are at liberty, those that were bruised. And I think that's where we kind of went off and we explored that and expanded that and we talk about the, the whole concept of bruising and, and I'm not going to go over it and just go to YouTube and listen to the message. <laughs> All right. And so at the end he says, this day... Scripture is fulfilled in your ear. In other words, the whole purpose and the mission of my coming was for this. Anything short of doing this is my practice. So if you take this one verse, and I challenge you all to do it. I challenge everyone of you to develop a Bible study, a devotion, what have you, off of this one verse. And let's see how many variations we can get from what revelation God would give to each one of you. But this is the whole ministry of Jesus right here. Right here is the whole ministry of Jesus. What you supposed to do? You supposed to do what? Preach the gospel to the poor, those who are spiritually bankrupt. Remember that? Heal broken-hearted people. People who have all kinds of fragmented soul and they're broken up in pieces. Their lives has been just one big old accident and things have happened and they're out of sort. And then preach deliverance. Oh, we were getting into that. And we're going to get back to that deliverance. How to get people set free from the demonic strongholds that are on their lives. Whether it's by their own fault or environmental or whatever the issue is. So that's another part of it. Recovering of sight to the blind. So that God might move the scales from people's eyes so that they can actually see. There's a lot of blindness. There's a lot of blindness in the church, in Christianity. We don't see what we're supposed to see. Even sometimes in the natural realm, we don't see what we're supposed to see. And he says, I've come to restore blind, restore sight from blindness, from spiritual blindness, because you just can't seem to, to understand and accept what God is doing. And to set at liberty, freedom, those who are bruised, those who've been hurt by life, hurt by situations, hurt by circumstances. This is the whole ministry of Jesus right there. Did I miss anything? Huh? That's Jesus' entire ministry. Is there a part right missed out here? There's none missed out here. That's it. That's the one verse. If anyone was a child, you ask, what would Jesus do? What, what did he do? What was his mission about? That's it right there. That's it right there. Preach to the poor, heal brokenhearted people, deliver people from their demons, recover them from their blindness, and to set them that are bound at liberty. Those who are bruised, set them free. Now there's, uh, let, 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 let me go now to Mark chapter 5, because he said this day, once you've heard this, once you've heard this, scripture has been fulfilled. That's a very important statement. Once you hear this, 
you are now responsible for what you heard. Scripture is full, fulfilled when you hear the mission. Now you have a responsibility. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? Now that you hear the scripture, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to just sit idly by again? Or you haven't, man, man, there is instructions. There is straight up instructions. This is what you do. Stop what would Jesus do? Do that. Do that. That's it right there. Do that. That's what you do. Find that verse and do that. And you will have fulfilled his mission. Okay, so in Mark chapter 5, starting at verse 24, and Jesus went, and Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood 12 years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, what she said? If I may just touch his clothes, I shall be whole. Now, you have to understand there is some very important specifics, and I know I've said it before in Scripture, with respect to words, the etymology of a word. Even in our English language, this is a word that's being bandied about in the news here lately, and people are latching on to it and say there is no variance or variation or, or need for interpretation because they, they're hanging on to the law. They says Congress says you shall provide this, and they're legally right because shall, for all of time and history, is a contractual word. When a judge says you shall, it's not up for debate. It's not file an appeal. It's none of those things. It means it's written in stone. Here's what the woman is saying. And she's saying a prayer. And her prayer is simply this. If I could just touch the hem of his garment, I shall. No, no, you gotta, you, you gotta, you gotta get that down in your spirit here. If I could just touch his garment legally, contractually, with all of heaven's support standing behind this thing, she says, my faith is so complete in this because I shall be made whole as long as I touch his garment. Can I get a witness from somebody this morning? Today is a day to learn the law <laughs> as the word that God applies. Learn the law today. Learn the word shall. Because you come with a determination that there cannot be another result other than what I have just prayed. Oh. Oh. No, you didn't get that yet. <laughs> I am praying and implicit in my prayer is that there can be no other result. There's just one way this is going to work out. I have used the word that God has sworn to an, earth, an oath and himself to back up. Because it says he came in the spirit. He came with anointing. All of heaven was behind him. And when he showed up on the scene, that anointing was transferred. An anoint, a, a demand. She put a demand on that anointing with the power of all of heaven's legal might. I shall be healed. Soak on that for a little bit. When we graduate in our faith to the place of there ain't no plan B. That's right. That's right. 
There ain't no second opinion. There ain't no asking for another opinion. This is it. I have no other plan. You understand she's been suffering for 12 years. She's been to many, many doctors. Her condition grew worse. It costs her everything, and she didn't get any better. This is a woman, as we say in psychology, who is ripe. She is ripe. There's that term in psychology when we use it, we talk about a person is ripe. We mean all the confluences of everything that's working in their life has come to this place. This is the best moment. You couldn't find a better moment. You're ripe. <laughs> she was ripe and in her ripeness she put a demand and she said if I could touch his garment I shall be made whole everything in her was set for that one day that one moment when virtue would come out of the Lord and she shall be made whole, right? So she touched his clothes, and straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned. <laughs> he knew that a demand was put upon him. This is a this is a this is a magnificent moment. How many times he's been in a crowd with hundreds of people thronging about him, right? Why this one situation caused him to kind of go, wait, wait a minute. Somebody put a demand on the anointing. Somebody put such a demand, I feel it. Jesus is himself. Somebody put such a demand that I felt healing leave me and went into her. He felt it. Are, are you with me? That's it. Jesus felt the demand that was put on him. I am working you up this morning to the point that when we get to the end, someone, maybe a few of you all, can put a demand on the anointing. Somebody can say this morning, shall. <laughs> Somebody, I want you to say, shall. I shall be made whole. I shall be delivered. I shall get free from this. I shall. I am contractually applying all of the standards of God's heaven and power into my circumstance in an irrevocable way. God has committed himself to this. He came in the spirit, it says when I read earlier on. He came in the power of the spirit and he came with shall in him. Oh God, this morning I shall be made whole. My body will line up according to the word of God. I shall be healed. And if it doesn't happen today, I wouldn't step into doubt. I shall be healed. <laughs> You understand? My faith is at that place where I know I don't have any other choice. I don't have any other support system. I don't have anybody else I can call on. I have nothing else to turn to. This is it. This is the, this is the end of the dream line. This is the final stop. There is nothing else I want to consider. I don't want to consider a new therapeutic method. I don't want to consider another science thing. I, I shall be made whole. And until the manifestation comes in the fullness, I'm going to claim. Yeah, let's hear me now. Hear me now. <laughs> hear me now. Until the manifestation comes. My confession from here on in is this. Yes. Write this down. Yes. I am receiving a healing. Yes. No, no, no. Some of y'all didn't hear that. <laughs> I am receiving. I am receiving 
a healing. I shall be made whole. And between that statement and the manifestation in my body, I am receiving a healing. Everybody, anybody, all of y'all, everybody in here, get a hold of your shall and confess your shall and then understand that from that moment when you say it, you are receiving a healing. It is a present, continuous tense. Something is happening. Incrementally, suddenly, miraculously, matters not to me. I am receiving it. Can you do that? (laughs) I think that was so good I could go home now. I don't know if it impacts you the way it's impacted me, but I am so violent in my spirit, in my faith, that you can't talk me out of this. Wild horses can't drag this out of me. I am receiving a healing because I shall be made whole. My family is well. You're well. Can you imagine the excitement that I'm having now when I lie down on my bed? No, I'm not saying this to boast or brag. But let me tell you, my wife is my only witness, and she might be biased, but she shouldn't. But (laughs) when I lie down in my bed, my new habit these days is I spend four or five hours in the Word every night from about three o'clock straight till about seven. Well, last night I did seven, start, yeah. But whole other story. What my point is, when I start to think about you, as I am studying and meditating and praying, and I say, Selmo shall be healed. He's receiving a healing. In that moment, there is nothing in me that has an ounce of doubt. Amen. 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 There is nothing in me that, well, you know what, if it doesn't work. No. He's receiving it. You're receiving it. You're receiving it. You are receiving it. Because it went forth with the authority of all of heaven. Sherry, you're receiving a healing. Not up for discussion. It requires, yes, Lord. That's all it requires. Don't tell me about but the doctor, oh, my man, and the train. It's not up for discussion. I am receiving a healing from the pronouncement of as I touch him. I shall be made whole immediately after that statement. I am receiving a healing. That was her prayer. Did you realize the woman was praying? Did you realize she was praying? She was praying. She was talking. She was praying. She was saying, if I could just get through that crowd. If I could just make it to him. And she pronounced her prayer. He, which you said what? He shall grant the desires of your heart. What was the desire of her heart? Come on, somebody. To be made whole. And he says what? I will give you the desires of your heart. Well, yeah. She came in that kind of faith. After 12 years. Listen, <laughs> some people suffer long and some people suffer hard. Hmm? And he said unto her, daughter, thy faith had made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Go in peace. So she made her pronouncement. He says, Your faith has made you whole. What made her whole? Faith. Not her need. Yes. Mm. A lot of us have needs. No, I need to make a distinction here. <laughs> her need didn't make a hole. That's right. <laughs> right? 
You got a lot of needs, right? Yeah. I got a lot of needs. You got a lot of needs? We all got lots of needs. Our need don't make us all. Our faith makes us whole. Amen. Amen. Our faith makes us whole. Amen. I need this. I need that. I need a new truck. <laughs> I need something that can fit a big boy in. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I said that. <laughs> That's an inside joke. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I need a lot of stuff. Do I have faith for a lot of stuff? Do I have an absolute, unshakable, I shall receive it? Do I have that? Have I gotten there yet? Have I emptied myself of all the stuff, all the stupidness, all the crap, all the things? Have I emptied myself of all the weight and the dust and the stuff and the garbage in my life? Have I rid myself of it to the extent that I now come to the place where, look, none of this matters to me anymore. I shall be made whole. You see, the thing that keeps you from getting to shall is all the stuff that's going wrong in your head. In your head, well, what if that don't happen? But, but the doctor said, uh, well, that's what's keeping you from your shall. You have too many options. Oh my God, I'm preaching good. Mm. You have too many options working in your head. And because of a multiplicity of options, you can't get to shall. I want you to get to where there's no more options in your head. But this one thing, if I could just touch him, if I could touch him, if I could just touch him, I want to stop and pray. John just popped up in my spirit. Your husband, John. Lord, I stretch forth my hands in the realm. Join me here, people. In the realm of the spirit, I stretch forth my hands. And I decree and I declare, he shall have what he says. He shall have the desires of his heart. He shall have this. It's been a long journey and on his behalf, Father God, I come right now and I say right now, he shall have the desire of his heart and immediately beginning this moment, he is receiving. Come on, people. Rejoice with me. He is receiving. He is receiving. He is receiving. I know what looks impossible to man is possible with God. I believe Thomas is receiving. Please, nobody, don't pollute my faith with doubt based on what your eyes see. <laughs> This, don't let, we walk by faith and not by sight. Don't let this confuse my prayer. You don't throw up anything in your butt. Would you walk with me on this? I shall. He shall. It's a legal contract. Enforceable by God and all of heaven. And the power of the Almighty says, yes. The power of the Almighty says, yes. So shall it be. You know what? Selah means S-E-L-A-H. Which when you read in your Bible, you see a scripture, nice powerful verse. And then it says, Selah. It means, pause and think about this. So let it be. That's what that word means. That Hebrew, that's what it means. You've seen it in your Bible a hundred times. You're reading and you come to the end of a verse and it says, Selah. That's what that word means. Let it be so. <laughs> that's what it means. Selah is shall. That's God saying, let it be so. It's going to be so. <laughs> you getting it this morning? I don't care what the condition is. 
I really don't. I really, really, listen, I really don't. God, you have no idea. I know there should be a week where I'm supposed to be sad and broken down and all that. And maybe I might cry. I'm a human. You know, I'm losing my mom and my family's all broken up and stuff. But you know what? She's probably looking in on me right yes. now and going like, yes. tell him, Jeff. Tell him. Tell him. Tell him, tell him, tell him, tell him, tell him I have gone over to the other side and I saw the fulfillment of what you're seeing and tell them what I saw. It's, it's good. It's good. It's for, it's for real. It's the truth. Tell them it shall. It's, it shall. It shall. It shall. It shall. Bring your faith to that place. It shall. It shall. You know? Oh my goodness. It shall. Oh, sailor. So let it be. I don't think I'm getting through this message again today. <laughs> but let's go after it until we get it. Because this is something we have to be. We just talked about the whole ministry of Jesus. That is what the well church is about. The well church is about Luke chapter 4, right? Luke chapter 4, verse 18. That's what we're about. That's our whole ministry. Preach to the poor, the brokenhearted, the, the demon-possessed, the blind, and those that are bruised with life's issue. That's what we're about, our whole, our whole ministry. Somebody wants to ask you, what's your church about? Luke chapter 4, verse 18. That's it. What do you mean? Just go read it, and when you read it, come back and call me again. That's what we're about. That's what we're about. Our whole ministry is wrapped up in one verse. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. That's what our ministry is wrapped up about. Huh? Hallelujah. Hope, healing, oppressed people everywhere. Everywhere. So, um, she spoke. He felt the anointing leave. He felt a demand put on him. And in the crowd of so many people pressing him, he, he, he knew this was a special case. Somebody touch me. Somebody touch me. But, but master, everybody's touching. No, 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 no. You don't get it. You don't get it. This is somebody who dis discovered Shal. <laughs> yeah. Somebody, somebody touched. No, no, you don't get it. This is just a this is somebody who got Shal. You know, this is somebody who discovered Shal. And in discovering Shah was made whole. And, and Jesus, somebody touch me. Somebody just touch me. Say, Lord, that kind of awareness, Jesus, you're surrounded by all these people. <laughs> Who's not touching you? No, this is a special touch. This is a special touch. Somebody. All right, so let's. Let's jump into the message just a little bit and um, we'll go until the Lord tells me to stop and then I'll pick up from there. But I really want this to resonate. I am at the point where now I believe our ministry needs to go to the next phase. And so I'm in that place of twisting the baby head first down, to, you know, I'm positioning the baby for birth. Now we've been around for going on a year now, but I've been slow and deliberative. And, but the Lord is prepping my spirit for phase two. Yeah. You know, time to organize our efforts, strengthen our bonds, get people to work in harmony and unity, and let this thing do what God has called us to do in the high desert. Do, listen, if you want a church with social club and activities and all that kind of stuff, there are many in the high desert. Please go there. But this one, Amen. this one is what Jesus did. Amen. This one is what Jesus did. Amen. Not WWJD. This one is what he did. <laughs> you feel me this morning? This one is what he did. I'm getting ready to go there now. So God, thank you. So, she was a bruised reed. 
anybody didn't get that the last time I preached it because I was exhaustive with respect to the rivers of the, 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 the Babylon and the Chaldean and the, the reed on the side of the, 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 the banks of the river and the shepherd boy making the flute to blow his sound so they called the shepherd sheep home and all that kind of stuff and I explained what a, the concept of a bruised reed you know we got so many we can just eh, well, yeah, I, don't have to, I don't need to mess with you eh, they come dime a dozen. I could pick up anybody. I can run an ad, do some kind of gimmick. I can do anything, something. People are going to come. Are they going to get fed? Amen. No, no, I'm not br 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 bragging here, but are they going to get fed when they come to your church? Are they going to get biblical truth? Not Nambi Pambi stuff. Not PME, positive mental attitude where they make you feel good. You know, it's, it's still a mystery to me that we serve, you know, practice up the road there, uh, the, the, the community in Victorville. And probably 90% or more of our clients are people from some of the mega churches in California, in the high desert. And you are shocked and astounded to find out what they're coming in for. And you think, but you do go to church, right? Yeah. But they're not getting that. <laughs> they're not getting that. So that's not where I want to go. She was a bruised reed, bleeding for 12 years. Suffered very much. Spent all the money she had. And she was only getting worse. A chronic menstrual disorder. The perpetual issue of blood. I don't know about you, but that's a, a condition that can cause you to develop anemia. Yes. Last year I was diagnosed with anemia because I was bleeding for six months. Lost so much blood I became anemic. Weak all the time. Six months. Twelve years, folks. Twelve years. Twelve years. She's bleeding for twelve years. A perpetual issue of blood. It, you know, that would be difficult for any woman of any year. But for a Jewish woman, it was worse. And here's the reason why. Because of this Levitical law of ceremonial rites of cleansing, she had to lose her fellowship. She couldn't go to the synagogue. They were very particular about blood and a lot of blood issues. Blood with pig, blood with this, blood with that. She couldn't go to church. Consider at the low end of some of her suffering. She couldn't have a child. She couldn't have a husband. She couldn't help out at the kitchen in the church doing dishes or sweeping the floor. The lady had a blood problem and everybody like, uh, you, <clears throat> sorry, uh, you're not clean. Think about it for a while. You're not clean, lady. Can you um, be mindful enough not to kind of come around us? What a loving church. <laughs> Can, can, can you stay away? Can you, um, can you not come by? 12 years ostracized from your community. She couldn't bear children. There wasn't a part of her life that wasn't affected. Her whole life was affected. Couldn't bear children domestically con concerned, anything she touched was considered unclean. Now, you know how the, the Levitical law and the ceremonial laws of Judaism was really stringent and, 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 and just, just being there and just touching something and have the whole church go like, um, um, she just touched that plate there. Um, can somebody, uh, uh, can, you, can you get rid of that plate for me? I want you to go there with her because you got to see at the end of all of this 
after years and years of that kind of ostracizing and that social outcast condition, she, she was ripe. <laughs> Sometimes we can't get ripe until we get through a series of stuff. Uh, good hard rain, blistering sun, drought, all these things make our fruit ripen. Hard conditions in life that we tough out and we come through and we still sprout out and we bear fruit. And in all of that, we're ripe for somebody to come and pick and say, yeah, this is good. All that we do is for somebody else's consumption. Oh, God. Did you hear me? All that we do and all that we go through is for somebody else's consumption. So that somebody who didn't do a doggone thing walks up to it and says, you are just what I need to help me through my situation. And they pick you. Because <laughs> you're ripe. You are ripe. Don't know any of the conditions that got you ripe. But you're ripe. You've been there, done that, got a t-shirt. You're ripe. And somebody wants to consume you now. Because you've been made for this moment. You've been made for this moment. Hmm? No washing dishes, no sweeping, sweeping on the floor. She can't enter the temple to worship. Physically exhausted and socially ostracized. She had sought help. Sought help. Couldn't find none. If there was a promise of a cure, she went after it. If there was a prescription offered, she bought it. If she was told of a special homeopathic treatment, she went there. And the Bible says, when she spent all that she had on her sickness, instead of growing better, she only grew worse. Can you imagine waking up daily in a body that nobody wanted, not just you. Oh my, oh my. The essence and making of rejection. Waking up daily in a body that nobody wanted. She didn't want it. So she's rejecting herself. And it's a double-edged sword because society is rejecting her too. Can you imagine waking up every day? And as soon as consciousness embraces, like, oh, nobody wants me. Another day. Who wants me? Another day I got to trudge through the sun coming up in the east and setting in the west all day long, all day long. Only waiting for night to fall so that I can fall asleep. Because sleep is the only freedom some people know. Oh, my goodness. Some people crave the night season simply because they can sleep. And those who can't naturally sleep crave that experience of sleep by taking something that would put them to sleep. Come on now, somebody. You got to take something to make you sleep. Because sleep is the new freedom. Not chains off your hand. No, sleep is the only freedom that you know. Some of you who've been where I'm talking about this morning understand that you long to sleep so that this thing can go away for a season. And guess what wakes you up? <laughs> the very thing. When sleep has run its course and you have had enough, this thing comes. Time to get up. I need to har harass you some more. <laughs> Anybody feeling me this morning? Sleep is the only freedom. Have you had a problem that you stayed up three, four, six days unending and never went to bed? Been there. Done that. Ended up in the hospital at about the end of the fourth day. Could not sleep. Couldn't stand up, lay down, sit down, walk. I was doing all of it within a 60 second period. I was up. I was walking. I was lying down. I was closing my eyes. I was getting back up. Because the intensity of the torture and the problem was so big. Sleep is what I wanted. And sleep says, 
Not today. Not today. You know, I'm not going to preach as somebody with any expert knowledge of any stuff like that. But anytime I think about this, I think about Michael Jackson. He had to use propofol to sleep. That is anesthesia medicine. My friends, wherever he was at in his head and his life, ordinary stuff didn't work. He had to have a doctor put him to sleep under the most heaviest sedation. And to his demise, at one time he didn't come out of it. <laughs> Lord, help us. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. She woke with a body that nobody wanted. She's down to her last prayer. And the day that we encounter her in Mark chapter 5, she's about to pray that last prayer. I wonder if anybody in here kind of understand the situation that that woman was in. I just wonder today if I can get a couple of people to look into your mind and try to figure out if you could understand. I wonder if you ever felt the hopelessness that she felt. Come on. Have you ever felt the hopelessness of 12 years of not being wanted? Have you ever felt the hopelessness of whatever you're into, it doesn't look like it's working? And you're hanging on to dear life and you're praying every prayer. And you're doing everything, and you're doing something's good and something bad. All your options are open because you so want help. And the one thing you need to stick to, you're not. If only I could touch Jesus. I wonder if you ever heard the doctor say, There is no hope. Whether it's be for you or a loved one of yours, have you ever heard the doctor say there's no hope? And something inside you screams, no. No, 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 no. I wonder if you ever heard somebody says, there's no help for your child. Your son is beyond help. <laughs> the word I've used twice this week, I think, was incorrigible. <laughs> there is no help for you. <laughs> Have you ever heard somebody say, you're incorrigible. There is no hope for you. You are helpless. We have no therapies. We have no medicine. We have no more research. Your marriage is dead. You just haven't laid down yet. Have somebody said that to you? Your child is beyond redemption. Have they said that to you? Your job is about done. You wake up and smell the coffee. Have you ever heard, had people say these things to you? And all you have is but a prayer and your faith. And you're about to use that one prayer. And that one prayer is a child. It's a child prayer. Hmm? Probably too many of us know all too well her plight. Maybe somebody here understands the level of hopelessness that I'm talking about. I wonder if you know what it feels to be helpless. It's a terrible thing to lose sight of hope. Insurmountable odds against you. A helpless situation, the prognosis of the doctor, the decision of a judge, the ungratefulness of an employer, the curse on your finances. Oh, come on. Somebody could identify with me. I am learning in this 
latter stage in my life with great, great, great passion. I have no other source but God. And no matter what the devil throws at me, how often he throws it at me. Not today. Tell the devil, not today. Not today. Not today. No matter how hard you try, it gets worse. I think I'm going to stop. I have too much to preach, so I'm going to stop. Give you the next half next week. Because it gets a little bit more intense next week. Because I'm going to talk about how despair leads to disappointment. And disappointment leads to despondency. And dependency leads to rejection and it's a cumulative effect and it snowballs and it becomes so big you know what's the one common thread in all of this and i know you would identify it it seems like it waits for the night time to intensify come on somebody can i get a witness oh when that sun go down and that darkness sets in and that moon crawls overhead, all of a sudden, it piles on. Piles on. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. You know I'm talking the truth. Waits for the night season to come on to you and just wreck your life because the devil wants to steal your soul. This ain't about a problem. This is about he wanting to steal your soul. He wants to eat your soul. Not today. Tell the devil, not today. Not today. Today, I am building a shower. You have all week long to move from where you are till next week to have a shower. Because I'm building this up. If you can hang with me, if you could read this scripture, if you could meditate on it, if you could study, if you could write some stuff, you get yourself ready. I want you to get right by next Sunday. I don't want you to jump into something and then tomorrow you're going, oh, what did I do that for? No, I want you to get thirsty. Thirsty for a child that says, if I just touch Jesus today, I shall be made whole. Can I hear you say it? If I could touch Jesus today, I shall be made whole. That is our ministry. That is our message. And we're moving to that place in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you for your attentiveness.